Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. We're going to go into Jude the next three weeks. It sounds like maybe it's a long time to be in the book of Jude or the the letter of Jude. Uh, It is only one chapter, but there's a lot in it. Um, It was written by Jude, um, or he was also known by the Hebrew name Judah. Uh, He's the the brother of Christ. Now, Christ's family weren't really um, integral to his ministry while he was here, but after he was resurrected and they saw his resurrection, his brothers became very instrumental in the early church. Um, So this is... Um, really exciting for his family to get involved in his ministry. I'm sure they, that what he did really uh, impacted their lives. So they have a lot of, of good things to say. Now, I'm reading through this book, and I really see three parts to it. Um, anytime you write a letter, the first thing you do is consider your audience. You consider who you're writing this letter to, and you build your entire letter around who your audience is. So the first part of this letter really is who is the who is being who is it being written to, um, and he describes who he's writing it to as all who have been called by God the Father who loves you. So these are people who have been called by the Father. These are people who know the gospel. They're Christian believers. They have a foundation in Christ. So just the, and we're going to kind of sit right here tonight about who, who this letter is written to so we can kind of place ourselves in that position so we can receive the message, because this message is a timeless message. Like Pastor said, it really goes along with what's going on today. There's a lot we could pull from it. So we're going to see, you know, if, if we're going to put ourselves in that position so we can receive this message and this warning and this encouragement. So the three parts of this letter are going to be the, your, your foundation, because Christ, uh, we're going to go into uh, Luke 6 about building, building on a firm foundation. So it's going to start with your foundation, then it's going to go into guarding against false teachings, recognizing false teachings by their uh, own lifestyles, um, and then it's going to go into um, encouraging the body with prophecy. Um, so those are the three main areas. And tonight, I really would be grateful if you guys could think about, because we've all been through the situation where we had to build our own foundation in, our, in faith. Everyone here has their own faith that they had to structure. And to build anything substantial, you have to have a foundation. So we all had an experience in our life that we decided this is the foundation that we're going to build on. And it, maybe it came in pieces, maybe it came all, to, all at once. But at some point, all of us had that moment um, where we had to decide that this is, this is where we're going to build. 
So I'm hoping that you guys will be able to share some testimony, some experience that maybe you had during these moments, because we're going to break this down um, um, by the steps it takes to build a real foundation. So I have a background in construction. So I'm going to use the actual construction of building of a foundation. And in scripture, there's two ways that faith is described. And one of them is like a plant with roots that are deep and strong and and you're fruiting. And another is like a temple that's being built um, on a foundation. So you have roots and you have a foundation. So these are two different metaphors that the scripture uses pretty regularly about our str- how strong, strongly we are um, placed, our faith is, um, to withstand whatever obstacles or battles that we might be in. So since I have a background in construction, I'm going to uh, stay with the foundational concept. So this is really the letter that didn't want to be written. Um, He says, let's go ahead, and we're just going to read through the first three verses here. Uh, This letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and brother of James. I am writing to all who have been called by God the Father, who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. Dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write you about the salvation we all share, but now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. So he's writing to some to people who have the same faith as him, and he's, he's concerned about what they're up against. So to withstand this, he, he, he wor- he, he's very strong in his wording. So he's, he's writing it, this letter because of the strong language that he's using. We have to assume that the people receiving the message are strong in their faith, that their foundation is strong. Um, there's a few scriptures that talk about a firm foundation. And the first one is to start off in 2 Timothy 2.19. It says, but God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with his inscription, with this inscription, the Lord knows who's, those who are his and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. So his truth is like a foundation stone and the, he knows who, who are his. So when, he's, when Jude's writing this letter, he's, he's, he's writing it to all who have been called by God the Father. So these are all those that he knows. Um, in, in the Bible, they, they, they built foundations with stones. It was just, um, that's the technology they had. Now we have concrete that we build our foundations from. 
And so it's a little bit different technology, but we're going to go with that. Um, in Luke chapter 6, Christ talks about uh, building on a foundation. Luke 6, 47, we're going to read 47 through 49. He says, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. So the ones that Jude's writing to, they came to Christ, they listened to the teachings of Christ, and they're following the teachings of Christ. So Christ himself is going to describe what it's like to be that person. He says, it is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters arise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and does not obey is like a person who builds a house upon a found, without a foundation. When the flood sweeps down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. I want to read this in passion really quick. Go ahead. All right. So I'm going to piggyback on him with passion. Let me describe the one who truly follows me and does what I say. He is like a man who chooses the right place to build a house and then lays a deep and secure foundation. When the storms and floods rage against that house, it continues to stand strong and unshaken through the tempest for it has been wisely built on the right foundation. But the one who has heard my teaching and does not obey it is like a man who builds a house without laying any foundation whatsoever. When the storms and floods rage against that house, it will immediately collapse and become a total loss. Which of these two builders will you be? So in the midst of what we are experiencing now, our foundation is being tested. The storm that's going on around us right now, our foundation is being tested. So I thought it really important for us to look and, and see what kind of foundation it is that we're building on. Um, one more scripture. There's going to be a, just so you know, there's going to be a lot of word of the word tonight. So you don't have to follow along. You can just write them down and read them later. Um, it's we not going to. highly encourage that you write these down and meditate on them and yes. chew on them and see what Holy Spirit reveals to you through it. There's just going to be, because um, the word is like reinforcement of, we're going to get into that. The word is going to, and you'll end up seeing how it's like using rebar in a concrete foundation, the word is going to strengthen that foundation. We're going to, we're going to make that uh, connection later. Um, so in 1 Timothy 6, 19, it says, by doing this, they will be strong, storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. So even in time of peace, it's still important to store up these treasures and create this good foundation so that when that storm does come, you're prepared and you can experience true life. So this is like a preparatory statement here. Be ready. 
Um, just because things look good and just because things are going easy doesn't mean you still don't have to focus on this foundation. So in construction, when you build a foundation, you first have to survey the land. So we're going to start there. Um, and we, we are going to be the subject matter tonight. So when I say survey the land, I mean survey your life, because your, your life is where you're building the foundation. Your, your roots are being planted. It's going to be your flesh that's going to be you know, dug out and replaced and built upon. So, so when I say survey the land, I'm saying survey, survey your life, okay? And there's a couple of scriptures about reflecting upon yourself. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. says, examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. So examining yourself is something that we should do regularly um, to test, you know, are we in line with Christ? Is he in our life? Um, Lamentations Um, chapter 3, verse 40 is a really short and really good uh, representation of examination. It says, uh, let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. So when we're um, looking at our lives and we're surveying our surroundings before we, uh, we need to be looking for things. We need to be looking at at the, lay, at the lay of the land, because you can build a foundation in a forest full of trees, but it's going to be difficult. There's going to be obstacles. Um, if you can remove those obstacles, they need to be removed. You can build it with obstacles in the way. You can build any firm foundation you want. It's just going to take more work, more time, more effort. It's going to be difficult. So if you want you want to test yourself, go for it. You could put a foundation on the side of a mountain if you wanted. You could build a foundation and put a home on the side of a mountain, but you just have to take account the amount of time it's going to take, the amount of effort it's going to take. If you can remove those obstacles from your life, it's, it's going to be um, more beneficial for you to, be, to build your foundation. Um, Psalms 119 can I interject on that yes, really go quick? Ahead. You know what that really reminds me of is lukewarm Christianities because we walked in that for a really long time where you were trying to build a foundation on worldly views. I feel like Holy Spirit's just saying that there's a lot of people that want to fit Jesus into their life without compromising their comforts, without compromising their way of living. So they try to make the foundation fit inside the place that they're living. They don't want to remove anything. They don't want to sacrifice anything to live the godly life. So I feel like that's what the Holy Spirit's really revealing about that. And that's what we call lukewarm Christianity. Um, It's kind of anyway. But so that was something I wanted to interject to that. Yeah, that's I think I think that's a representation of what it's like to try to build a house with no foundation. 
is what that is, because you're building your faith on something that's not going to hold it up in the midst of trial. Um, and we'll get to that too. Uh, just one more scripture about surveying your life. Um, Psalm 119, 59 and 60 says, I pondered the direction of my life and I turned to follow your laws. I will hurry without delay to obey your commands. So you see pretty uh, regularly this concept of inward looking, surveying your life, taking account, making sure that everything is in order so that your foundation can, uh, can be built. So after you survey the land, then you start digging. And when we're digging to build a foundation for our faith, we're digging out uh, our flesh, is what I call it. It's parts of our life that are taking up the place where the foundation needs to be. So when you start to form this foundation, you have to think about in construction, if you're going to build a house, there's going to be load, there's going to be load bearing points in the house. Heavy portion, heavier portions of the house are going to need more uh, support in the foundation. So you put in footers, you dig deeper. So there's places in our lives that we're going to be having to reinforce and dig deeper because those places in our life are places where the world might interfere with our, what the Spirit is wanting from us. That's going to be the places that are going to be mostly under, most under attack. Um, so when you go through and you start thinking about, okay, what's going to be, what part of my foundational uh, beliefs is going to be supporting my idea of relationships? Okay, that needs to be dug deeper so that the foundation under relationships is able to support more weight because that's where you're going to be under more attack. Um, what about my, my concepts of finance or provision? Th those places need to be dug out deeper and reinforced more. Um, you have family, health, identity, education, recreation. These are all places where the worldview is so prominent that we have to be reinforced. We have to be stronger to withstand that weight. So in this digging process, it's going to hurt a little bit more. When you dig through, when you dig out that flesh, when your flesh dies, it's not a process that feels good. So you're going to have to dig deeper in those places, and it's going to hurt more. You're going to be sacrificing more in those areas to be able to create this foundation that's going to withstand the weight that's called, that's called for from you in those areas. I think it hurts so good. <laughs> It hurts, but it's so beautiful on the other side, and you're so grateful that you did it. So I just wanted to chime in there. It hurts so good. So without digging this out, without building this foundation, you can still build a house. You can still build your faith, but it's not going to withstand pressure. And we have 
experienced a lot of times in our life before we realized what it means to be sold out for Christ, as my wife says all the time, to be sold out for Jesus, there, is a, there was a time in our life where we thought our faith would withstand anything. We were new in Christ, but we felt empowered, and we were going to save the world. But there were things that we had not dug out. There were places that needed the, that extra reinforcement. There were places that were built on sand, and we had no idea until it was put to the test. One experience would be um, my brother reached out to me in uh, 2012. He was in a very bad place, and we were, we thought, you know, we were going to church every day. It was one of those churches that was like light shows and smoke machines, and, you know, the, the worship music was awesome. It was like going to a concert, and, the, you know, the cool pastor who, you know, was always talking about, well, I guess, I don't know how cool Zumba is, but he kept talking about Zumba all the time. He was trying to be relatable, relatable. You know, he had, it was just, it was just this church that was like very hip. It was a very hip church. You know, a lot of young people. So we thought we had it going on because we, we were going to this church and so we, we wanted to help my brother. He called me and he says, uh, look, I'm in addiction. I'm on the streets. I don't have anywhere to go. You know, I'm going to get put in prison if I don't get off the streets. His daughter has no, you know, he has no way to care for his daughter. So we were like, okay, come on. We're going we're gonna to help you. We'll get on your feet. So we, we fly him up to Alaska, and he moves in, and our faith was tested. At the same time, his other brother moved up there, and they had a little boy. And we were also became caretakers of him. So we were helping one brother get off addiction and get back on track. And then we were also caring for a little baby four days out of the week, and I was working full time. We had our daughter. We had lots of animals. I had a big house. And we thought we were going to save the world, and it came crashing down. Well, what happened was we had our eye on the world's idea of what a, the American dream was. It wasn't a, our concept of what life was about was about what America said life was about. It wasn't about what the Bible said life was about. It, said, it, was, it was our culture was ruling our life, not our spirit. We didn't even know what Holy Spirit was. So this was a faith that had no foundation. And being surrounded continuously by this addiction lifestyle and this disease, um, being surrounded by um, people needing you is taxing. And we got taxed and we crumbled. We, we compromised, continuously compromising because, you know, we're helping my brother from this addiction, but how are we helping him? By enabling him to do other things that are less, less uh, destructive, less destructive, right? So it's like, one, like 
two of the, one of the lesser evils or whatever, you know? So, so it just keeps compromising and, and everything fell apart just because we didn't have a foundation. We couldn't stand strong within our faith. Um, so I don't know if any of you guys have any experience with those situations where your faith is being tested and you fail. Um, it's because you didn't have the foundation under you. So let's talk about digging out the uh, footers for uh, relationships. Um, it's really important. The Bible talks about uh, relationships between believers and non-believers, and talk, they talk, it talks about being yoked together um, in 2 Corinthians 6.14. So we're going to go through these uh, different areas and see how we can dig a little bit deeper and see, you know, it's going to hurt a little bit. I'm just warning you. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be partnered with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? I like the uh, ESV a little bit better. I'm going to read Passion, too. So ESV says, was it 614? Oh, that's Chronicles, not Chronicles. Corinthians. Honey, I'm going to read out of Passion real quick while you're finding that. So don't continue to team up with unbelievers and mismatched alliances. For what partnership is there between righteousness and rebellion? Who could mingle with light in darkness? The ESV says, do not be equally yoked with unbelievers. So it really puts a strain on your faith when you continue relationships. And a lot of us have, well, I know I did. When I became a believer, none of my friends were believers. I didn't know a single Christian. So when I decided that Jesus was the way, I quickly realized that conversations between these people was either them pouring the world into me or me trying to pour Jesus into them. But more often, it was them pouring the world into me. So there's another issue of com compromise there. And so these relationships have to shift to build this foundation strongly, these relationships have to shift. You have to focus on pouring out Jesus. You can't let the world come back in. So you're, it's going to affect your relationships with these people. You're not going to have friendships with the world. And we can see in 1 Corinthians 15.33 that relationships with the world. First Corinthians 15.33. Thanks, Jim. Do not be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. I like the passion version. Um, 
of this. We're going to read the Passion Version here. 1533. It says, So stop fooling yourselves. Evil companions will corrupt good morals and character. So if you, if you continue with these relationships, it's going to corrupt your character. It's going to corrupt your morals. So these relationships have to shift into Christ pouring into them. And if that pushes them away, you have to be willing to let them go. Because we're to, you know, we, we need to keep ourselves holy. We need to keep ourselves righteous. We need to build this foundation. And you can't do that by keeping these um, corrupt relationships. Um, one more, Proverbs thirteen, twenty. I feel like there's somebody that's thinking, but if I'm around them, that I can be a light in the darkness. And that won't happen until your foundation is built and you are strong enough in the Lord, then he can use you. Because you think about Jesus. He didn't even send Jesus out until after 40 days in the desert, until he was 33 years old. So you don't build your foundation to become an evangelist while that's happening. You wait until you are strong, sturdy, and mighty in the Lord, and you have built the foundation, then he will use you to evangelize. But you cannot build that foundation by hanging out with those people. That's right. Um, Proverbs 13, uh, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise, associate with fools and get in trouble. So it's, this is the, like she said, this is the building process. So in the building process, you have to be focused on what you're doing. You can't spread your attention to other tasks. You can't believe that if I let these impurities in now, it's not going to affect the end product. No, you need to have your foundation established, build your faith, and then you can affect change. Then you can withstand the world trying to pour into you, right? So um, that's digging deeper. That's digging deeper in relationships. And then we have to dig into our finance or in provision, um, so Philippians 4.19 says that God will supply every need. So these are concepts that you hear a lot, but are they really rooted in your heart? Or do you still feel like maybe there's something you need to do for provision? Um, Matthew 6.31 says that do not be anxious for anything because the Father knows what you need. So these scriptures are re trying to show us the character of the Father as a provider. And we have to dig deep and dig out all those parts of our flesh that tell us that we have to be that place. Because then we're taking, we're taking over where he needs to take over. We're, we're relying on ourselves instead of relying on him. How can you build a foundation or how can you put a, a strengthening footer under that part of your life if you're not willing to dig deep enough to strengthen that foundation? Can I share a testimony really yes. quick? I feel like I'm supposed to. So to give you an example of that, this one was a big one for me because I grew up in Alaska in the state where you provide for yourself. And I grew up with a father that instilled in all of us kids that the most important thing in life was hard work and money. 
and the only way to get money is for you to work hard. God did not provide that. You provided that by good work and by working hard and going after a job that has 401k and retirement and pension and insurance and that you do, you're not a success until you have those things. So I pushed my husband to get into a position that provided those things. And I worked very, very, very hard. I was addicted to work because my identity was in that. I wanted the big house. I wanted the SUV. I wanted the snow machine. I wanted all the things that you can provide for yourself. And I didn't feel secure until we had that. But then when we got shaken and everything fell apart, I wasn't secure in that. So when we sold out for the Lord and said, it's all you or nothing, this was an area that he hit real hard. And my husband left the job that had the 401k, the retirement, and the health insurance. We took that very scary step off that cliff without knowing what was going to be below. We didn't have another job, job lined up, but we said, okay, we want to know you as our provider. I need to know that you have us, that you are everything. And we don't know how else to do that besides trust you and to walk away from what we know. And so for the last four, no, two years, two and a half years, almost three years, almost yeah. three years, we walked away from all of that, and we have 100% been relying on the Lord. And the other option, the other thing to that, well, as soon as he did that, he had a job the next day. Offered and to me, just randomly. Just, and and it's, it's just been 100%, okay, Lord, I actually have a notebook of things that I have needed. And I've said, okay, I want to know you as my provider. We need a couch. We need this. Because he had to literally, he broke all of that stuff off of me. And I just want to encourage you that those who seek, find. You want him. You want your foundation built on all this stuff. He wants you to want it. So all you have to do is go for it. And he always meets us, always. And the other part of that was tithing for understanding that it's not our money. It's not our money. It's his. Everything is his. This is his. My genes are his. Everything is his. So when you start to understand that and you're like, okay, that's a lot of money to give you per month right now, but we're going to go ahead and we're just, you know what? I want to know that you're true. I'm telling you, you want to get out of debt? Start tithing. Start tithing and tithe where it hurts. There's been times where he's given me a number and I'm like, no, that can't be you. Nope. That's not Holy Spirit. But it is. So I just wanted to share that, that that's a really important part of that foundation because it's so opposite of the world. It is. Finance and provision in the kingdom is not like in the world. In the world, you have to work hard. You have to do those things. You have to be that person. But in the kingdom, you have to rely on him. You have to trust him. And before we made that decision, every month, every month, by the end of the month, we were pulling money out of the ATM after we had charged the last of it on the card and going into the red just so that we could have gas money till my next paycheck. Every month. For years. I was making over $100,000 a year. And we were still scrambling every month. We made that decision 
and we haven't gone in the red yet. We decided to have faith in him. He will provide. And we have never gone into the red since. We have never had to wonder, you know, how are we going to make this work? Because he has always provided for us more than we have needed since that day. And one year, he sent my husband to Israel and us to Alaska, and we got a new car. You do the math at the end of the year, it don't add up. It was, it was amazing. So rely on him and your provision. Dig deep in there to where it, he's going to make it. I mean, he's, he's not going to make it feel uncomfortable, but it's going to feel uncomfortable because you're pulling out what the world has been placing in you. So you have to dig deep in these places, in your family. That's another place where you're going to have to dig deep. Um, relationships in your family are going to be strained, but uh, the scriptures talk about family. It says in Timothy, 1 Timothy, uh, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Family is important. In Ephesians 5, it talks about the, the, uh, the biblical structure of a husband and wife and how the husband is to die for, for his wife like Christ did. And it's not easy. I mean, it, people look at some of these scriptures and they think, oh, you know, the, the woman is supposed to be submissive and that's not right. But have you looked and see what the man has to sacrifice in turn? Do you see what Christ did for the church? What he went through, what he carried that's what we are supposed to carry as men. That's what we're supposed to, they, we are supposed to carry that burden for our families, for our wives, so that they don't have to. I think that's a, a pretty big, that's a pretty big concept there. Just, that's a whole, that's a whole teaching in itself. But we have to dig deep in the family um, to allow for the kingdom perspective to root and uh, become foundational. Um, in health, we have to dig deep, um, deep there to carry because health is a concern for the world. Um, but in the spirit, you know, Exodus 23 says that uh, if you serve only, only, the, only God, he'll bless your food and your water and he'll take away your sickness. We have to rely on him that he will keep us healthy and strong. Um, by the wounds... By his wounds, you, are, you have been healed. There's, we have to allow him to be our healer, to understand that he is in control. He has, he has from the, the beginning of time, numbered your days. He is not, and we have to have faith that there is purpose in that. Um, he, he's created all sorts of knowledge and information for us to utilize, um, but ultimately, he is still in control. Um, in our identity. Now, this is a big, I feel like this is a big one. In our identity, um, we have to dig even deeper in our identity. Are we who the world says we are? Are we, are we, are we just the sum of our experiences? Are we, you know, the, the, Am I the, the son of my father? Or am I who the scripture says I am? Am I who God says I am? 
the difference between an orphan and a son and a daughter. Yeah, a son and a daughter knows who they can turn to. An orphan doesn't know who to turn to, and they're, they're lost. Um, First Peter says that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, holy nation, God's special possession. That has to take root in your identity. That has to be who you are. I have been crucified with Christ in Galatians 2, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. It's not me anymore. It's Christ. He is my identity. First Peter 2, 9. And John 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. So, I mean, there's just so much in scripture about identity. There's dozens, if not hundreds of scriptures about who we are in Jesus and what's available to us as we're, we talked in the last couple of weeks about being adopted into the family. That's who we are. We're a part of God's family. And the inheritance that we have and the power that we have and this, the authority that we have from that adoption surpasses anything that the world can bring at us. So we have to claim that identity. It's very important. We dig that, that old identity out and replace it with the new identity. Um, Another uh, area is education. So there's an education system that we're all subject to here in the world. And a few months back uh, in Kingdom Men, we watched a video about the spirits operating in the educational system, um, the atheism that's running rampant in the, in the higher education, um, the disdain for creational ideas they, they you can't even talk about creationism anymore in any schools because it's automatically just shut down i mean there's there are spirits operating in the school systems and the education systems that are changing um laws and they're not for our benefit so we really have to turn to scripture and how do we how do we reconcile this and there's a couple of scriptures that came to mind. One of them was Proverbs um, chapter 1, which is pretty much the end game. It says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. So fear of the Lord being the foundation of true knowledge, this is really, this really changed my concept of truth of education, of what we experience in reality. If you see everything through the lens of Scripture, you understand that his truth supersedes what man believes could be true. They don't even accept their own ideas as true. Nothing in, sci in the scientific world is considered factual or true. It is all theory and concepts. They can't even trust their own ideas. But we know what's written in here is the truth. And there are things in this Bible that it took thousands of years for scientists to believe and to understand. The expanding universe, for instance, 
I think it's in Psalms where it says that the heavens are being stretched out like a curtain. Okay? That's the expanding universe, and it took thousands of years for science to believe that. It says that, you know, God, uh, something about God's shining over the circle of the earth. For thousands of years, they thought the earth was flat. But scripture says it, it's a circle. So there, there are concepts in here that are thousands of years old that science has just caught on in the last couple hundred years, and yet they still think that they've got it right. But you can see all things, all, all research, all studies, you can, see, you can see all the holes in it, you can see all the, all the theory and all the, the spirits operating behind it, um, if you just look through it through the biblical lens. But that's a place where you have to dig in deep. You have to remove a lot of what the world has taught you and shown you and replace it. Um, and the last thing is recreation, which, um, I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory. Recreation is really just, um, it's a distraction. It's distracting you from what's important. You know, you don't want to think about it. You just want to... Escape. Escape. It's escapism. But you can escape with Christ. Yes. There's ways that you can, you can experience joy and fun with Christ. And that has to be the focus. Is, am I doing this to escape that life that I live every day? Am I doing this to separate myself from my conviction? Or is my conviction following me? Am I allowing Christ in in this moment? Is what I'm putting in coming out the same? So it's really important um, to can survey. Go ahead. Can I interject here? I feel like we're supposed to share this too. So this has been a fresh one. Um, in the world that we live in, entertainment, what we watch, television, movies, music, that is what America pretty much sits around. Most people's lives revolve around the television it's, for the most part. Um, or it is revolved around a recreation, usually centered around alcohol. That is, that is the America that we are in. So this is a huge one for us, Americas, for us Americans. And if you go to Matthew 5, the beautiful Sermon on the Mount, that we could just stop right there. Um, so if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. Um, actually, that's not the scripture I thought it was. It's, it's, the one, um, it's the one where he says, you need to be careful about what you're letting into your lens, what you're letting into your, to your eye. Because um, if you let evil into your eye, then oh, it's a window to your soul. Then your yeah, as I say, then your insides become evil. So we really started getting convicted about stuff that we were watching, and it's really difficult to watch anything that doesn't have some sort. Here, can I read this? Yes. It's twenty-seven, twenty-two, or Thank six, you. twenty-two. Your eye is a lamp. Thank you. Uh, Matthew six, twenty-two. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. 
But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light that you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? So I, I just really want to address this right now. Um, we, we grew up in Alaska, movies, huge thing. Um, and I started getting really convicted. So we canceled all of our Amazon and Netflix and we got a prescription to PureFlix. And I'll tell you what, we hardly watch any TV anymore because there's not really anything on that is really healthy. And I think it's time for the body personally for us, it changed our world um, because we were no longer putting stuff in that had that worldly lens. And even though we were pretty careful, you were still compromising. And the Lord, I just felt like he said, what are you doing? You can be 100% clean in this area, 100% clean with no compromise. Um, and so we went on a journey and we fasted all television and all of that during like the first couple months of COVID and 40 day fast. It was not easy. It was not, <laughs> it really, it, it was, it was not because we realized how much we were watching television before going to bed. And that was just a, and what you were letting in, but instead we were reading the word and we were reading Christian books and, um, it really changed our walk. And there's such a strong, cause one of the spirits that's in the book of Jude is the celebrity spirit. Um, and the way that it's manifesting today is in our entertainment industry. So I just really want to encourage everybody to ask Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? What can we do to change what we are letting into our eye? What, what can we change that we are, because I'm telling you what, the stuff that you watch, those spirits that are operating, they are getting in. Whether you want to believe it or not, it's happening. So when we take that account and we ask Holy Spirit, um, and amazing things. And I, I told him, I said, we can never go back to what we were doing. And I asked the Lord, I said, why did you have us? Like, I knew the, I knew the big why he had us go on this, but I felt like there was something that he hadn't told me yet. I said, why did you have us go on this journey? And he said, because you were wanting to escape and relax, but your relaxation was escaping from me. And I needed to break you of the spirit of escapism. He said, Alicia, you can watch a good movie. You can watch, because um, of pure flicks, they're really corny and they're cute <laughs> and they're really dumb and they're low budget, but they're cute and they're clean. And I felt like he said, just invite me into your entertainment. Invite me into that leisure time. Invite me into that relaxation and let me be a part of what you're watching. And if you're inviting the father to be, because he loves laughter, he loves comedy, he likes excitement, he likes all of that, he created it. So if you let him in, it's also going to change what you watch because he's not gonna watch anything that he's not okay with. So I just want to encourage everybody with that. It completely changed my walk 100%. So it's like the song that uh, Kyle sang, your presence is heaven to me. Yes. Why would you not want to be in his presence if it's heaven? Yes. So strive for his presence always. And it's not going to make you a monk. Somebody once said, were you trying to be a monk? No, no. I just want to be in the Lord's presence all the time because it's heaven. I want to be in that. So these are all the areas that were really pinpointed to me that we really need to be uh, focused on when building this foundation. Um, you really have to dig deep 
um, to dig out these footers so that you can be re reinforced and stronger, st strongest in these areas. Now, once you dig out your footers in a foundation, then you want to start laying in your reinforcement. So just real quick, I want to, um, those areas were relationship, finance, family, health, identity, education, and recreation. So after you dig out your footers, after you dig out um, these places that need extra support, then you put in your reinforcement. And nowadays, we use rebar as a reinforcement. We also use uh, wire mesh. Now, the rebar is going to tie everything together, and that's going to be God's word. God's word has to be implanted in your foundation. And, it ha and um, James 1, 21 was a good, good representation of uh, the implanting of God's word. If I can find James. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God has planted in your hearts. Let me read. For has the power to save your souls. Go ahead. Let me read Passion. Sorry, I didn't mean to interject so quickly. So this is why we abandon everything morally impure and all forms of wicked conduct. Instead, with a sensitive spirit, we absorb God's word, which has been implanted within our nature. For the word of God has power to continually deliver us. And that makes me think, remember, our de what is it, the, the protein strand that's in the shape of a cross? Like, we're, he's already in our DNA. Right, so we need to have his word implanted as well. Um, Psalm, Psalm 119 is a pretty common, common theme tonight. There's a lot in 119. Um, but 119.11 says... I consider your prophecies to be my greatest treasure. I memorize them and write them on my heart. I keep them from committing, they keep me from committing sins, treason against you. Uh, the ESV says, uh, 119, 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So this word needs to be throughout the foundation. It needs to tie all these areas together. It needs to be, that's what we're going to be using to strengthen and reinforce this foundation. Another thing that we use to reinforce this foundation is wire mesh. We lay down a wire mesh. And what I'm saying would coincide with that would be a community, community, relationship in the body of Christ. A network of believers would be represented as like a wire mesh throughout your foundation. It's important that we are here tonight. It's important that we continual, continually fellowship with each other throughout the week, on Sundays, on Wednesdays, small groups at home. When you go out for recreation, you know, we need to be buddied, partnered up with fellow believers, that's how we, iron, iron sharpens iron. It's important for us to stay connected as a community. That's part of reinforcing and strengthening our foundation. In the New Testament, there is no example given 
of any of the disciples hanging out with people that were not brothers and sisters in Christ unless they were evangelizing them with another brother or sister in Christ. In the Old Testament, the brothers and sisters that hung out with people that were not in the body of Christ, they ended up falling into sin and wickedness and destruction. So I think there's something very important to glean from that. Amen. Anybody else have any comments on that? So that's another way to reinforce this foundation. So now we have our, we've surveyed the land, we've dug out our footers, we've placed our reinforcements. Now what do we pour in? Concrete. <laughs> but this is kind of, concrete, you know, it's funny. Concrete is uh, three parts. It's just like Trinity, right? It's uh, stone, cement, and water. Um, but here the metaphor kind of, kind of splits because in our Christian foundation, we are pouring in Holy Spirit, and it is not a one-time filling. It is a continuous process of being refilled and refilled again. And that's, and that's one of the most important things about a strong Christian foundation is to continually be filled. Ephesians 5.18 says be filled with the Holy Spirit, but it actually says be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a continuous of being filled, a continuation. Um, Christ has gave us a parable of the 10 bridesmaids. They, they all had lamps and they all started out full, but you have to keep filling a lamp, especially if your light's burning bright. And we're all called to be lights in the world. We're all called to be lamps on a hill. So we have to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is our foundation. So with that being said, I wanted to share one more verse with you. And then we can open this up for a few minutes of discussion. And this one came to us right at the end of our conversation today, me and Alicia. And it really kind of set the stage. It's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. But you got to read it backwards to really get the fullness of it. Go ahead. Read it backwards, Alicia. Okay. So do you guys understand this? That through his spirit, we have unlimited resources to glorious power. Okay? Do you, do you understand that? Unlimited resources to glorious power. Because the spirit of God lives in us. And that if we build on the foundation, blew me away. Filled with Holy Spirit, we're going to withstand any of the storms ahead of us. Go ahead, Jim. Alicia, can you bring the mic to Jim? I'm not an engineer, but I know that you guys might like this story. I'll make it, well, it'll only take a minute. <laughs> Uh, it's the Hoover Dam. 
Hoover Dam has a foundation that is constantly being filled. The Hoover Dam to this date has not dried out. The concrete is still being compressed down and poured into that system. Sorry for the loud laughter. That was an inside joke there. It was so good. Any other comments? It makes me think of the verse where it says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. And if we have a, if our foundation isn't strong enough, then the gates of hell will. But if it's strong enough, then they have no chance to jokers. Amen. Something else that I was uh, going to bring up about pouring in uh, this foundation is that some of the smallest contaminants will destroy your foundation. You can take a foundation the size of this building, which this is probably a good 120 yards um, of cement, which a yard of cement is a three foot by three foot by three foot cube. So 120 of those, that's how, about how much cement went into this um, foundation. You can throw one can of Coca-Cola into that mix, and that cement will never cure. It will ruin the foundation. One 12-ounce can of Coca-Cola. So if, you're, if you want a strong foundation, you have to be mindful of the impurities that are going in as well. Doug? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, the scripture that comes to me, what we've been talking about, is 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in me than that he that is in the world. Amen. The power that's in me, the Holy Spirit, is greater than all the power that's in this world. That's right. And you have that word in your foundation. That's why your foundation is strong. Because that word reinforces it, strengthens it. Amen. Well, thank you guys. Uh, next week we'll go into uh, more of the book, more of the letter. I know this was kind of an introduction, um, but we needed to find out how we need to be approaching this, what kind of foundation we need to have to build the faith to withstand what we're going to be up against and the dangers that we're going to discuss uh, next week.